0: Chances. Oh, brilliant goal, a brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney! Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, Di Tacco, Tiro! Goal! 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 Grasso! Goal!
1: Andrea Pirlo will take, and it's full in, and it's in! A goal in 50 seconds for Milan! And oh, would you believe it? Zini the skipper has scored it. Aguero!
0: I swear you'll never see anything
2: like this ever again! Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of the Footy Fans Podcast. As always, Andrew Santo and Joe, coming at you from my basement. What's going on? <laughs> What's hey, going everybody! On, um, man, when you guys came here today, I said this is like probably the one of the most anticipated, yes, slash exciting weeks to talk about. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, not just because of you know the results and what happened on the table, but because mostly what happened after. Yeah, uh, you know, behind closed doors, and what happened to uh, some managers. And the amount of goals that we had. Yeah. And goals. Just Crazy goals goal, this weekend.
1: Goal rush was one to watch yeah. uh, this week.
2: That 10 o'clock <laughs> sketch was uh, pretty heavy yeah. on the goals. Um, As everyone knows, this is an English Premier League podcast, but off the bat, give a big shout out to the Canadian men's national team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big accomplishment this week uh, against Mexico. Playing in Edmonton in the freezing cold. I mean, on paper, like, Mexico still is a better team, mm-hmm. but to pull that result away at home with you know the advantage of being you know minus twelve <laughs> whatever at, it was and with the the shell sn- shocking the Mexicans
1: the, sn- the snow on the side on the
2: side every player from was Mexico hilarious. was like head to toe geared up and those Canadian players wearing just short sleeves no gloves I'm like you guys are nuts mm-hmm. like I couldn't even do that like yeah it gets a little bit of rain outside I need gloves on yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. it was that's just me
1: very very strategic play but. Um, it was true I mean someone told me that you know if you, they go to Mexico they're playing 2 o'clock in the afternoon in 110 degree heat oh yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah that's true still very tough yeah so, you know you gotta do what you gotta do
2: yeah so our Canadian boys man they're finished or right now they're currently first place in the CONCACAF uh, qualifier to the World Cup first place heading into the new year there's no more games until January I believe or maybe February mm-hmm. so heading into the break uh, being top of the table there or top of the, you know, the group. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: I know. We like our chances right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm honestly more confident Canada's going to make it to the World Cup than Italy at the moment. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> to be totally yeah. honest. Yeah, get into that. <laughs> How, I cannot believe what they tied for their last five games in the group. Yep. Brutal. And yep. only three teams now in that uh, get those extra
2: spots. And it's games that they should have won too. Against, yeah. Against countries that, you know, don't really stack up at all,
1: and like missing PKs in the ninety fifth minute when it's one yeah. one. Yeah, Jorginho <laughs> of all people, you know, came through big in the Euro Cup, and then guys, I, know, eh? I can't okay. deal. It's gonna be so sour. They, it happened before they won, like they won the World Cup, and then just tanked the next World Cup. Now they won Euros. Might not even make this World Cup. Yeah, I, I mean, can't do don't that. Don't put that to evil us. on me, Joe. Don't. It's send it's that It's just right what out. it is. They're just at <laughs> the spot that they're at. You know, but.
2: <laughs> History shows that we make it hard for ourselves. We as always hard as we possible. Do. Yeah, like we never have the easiest path. So, if we were to qualify through the playoff and get put into a group with like Germany and France or something, because that always seems like Italy has a group of death, no matter what tournament it is. Mm-hmm. we either have Germany in our group or we have Portugal or we have. Except that Spain World Cup or where or we didn't get out of the group and we had like New Zealand. Oh, but, New like, Zealand? Yeah. <laughs> If it's too New easy in a group, it's too easy, then we won't
1: get through. Obviously. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I mean. That was, <laughs> I can't even get into that. That was a long time ago. <laughs> let's just put it that, let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Playing against uh, firefighters. Just back to back to the Canadian scu- uh, squad. Um, I thought, I mean, it would be cool to watch them play in a few years when we mm-hmm. actually host the World Cup in North America. But if they can qualify for Qatar based on their own merit, That'd that's something sweet. that we haven't seen in our lifetime. Yeah. As Canadians, true. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hopefully, we're transitioning out of just being known as the hockey country or the hockey capital of the world. And maybe we're starting to finally hold our own in the world's game. And yeah. we can say, hey, we're not just here for soccer. Or not just here for hockey, sorry, or lacrosse or curling. <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can play soccer. We can too. play soccer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to
2: be really exciting to see. And hopefully,
1: they can pull it off. I think if they get a good result against the U.S., that'd be huge. That would be absolutely yeah. massive. massive.
2: Like in the new year, I mean, we, they're undefeated. I think we're the only undefeated side right now. Yep um four and four yeah so i mean even if we do drop one game but we can tie a couple and like you squeak out some against panama um i don't expect i mean if we do beat the u.s that would be crazy because the game will be back Mm -hmm. at home probably at bmo Mm -hmm. field because we already played them in nashville i believe yeah and um if you guys want to listen to that we actually did a live reaction podcast to that game (laughs) a few episodes (laughs) ago so look back on that one yeah um but if they can, you know, maybe stay undefeated still or drop one game, but, you know, get a squeaky win against, you know, Panama, Costa Rica, Jamaica, some of the teams that they did draw earlier in the uh, in the tournament, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually qualify yeah. with games in hand. Yeah. I think it's top three go through. Top three yeah, go three. And then the fourth yeah. place team goes into like a separate, a yeah. completely yeah. separate playoff. So, I mean, being first, we have some room to work with. Yeah. They
1: should, like... Yeah, we have the U.S. What, they got to play Honduras next? Like, Honduras, then the U.S., who knows? Then El Salvador, Costa Rica, and then Panama is going to be the big game. Last one. We should win at least three of those games. Yeah,
2: none of those teams scare me.
1: Except for the U.S. and Panama. Well, yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, even Panama.
1: We should, like... I would, I would consider at this point, I would consider it like a very big disappointment if we don't qualify. Um, even if we go to the playoff round, I would still consider it, you know, kind of disappointing. We're at like in a very, very good spot. Just mm-hmm. got to win. We got to win those games that we should win. Hopefully not pull in Italy and just tie the rest <laughs> of our games.
2: But it, it feels <laughs> nice to have like expectations though. Yeah. Because before when it's come to Cock and Calf or Gold Cup, it's like, I don't expect anything. Yeah. No. So we, we finish like, it's like Oh, wow. We made the quarters. Oh, we didn't get knocked out first round. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like we're starting to expect to be there and to hang Mm -hmm. around. Yeah. So if we can do that, man, it's going to change my mindset, I think, on the Canadian game. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, Heading to England now. Big game on the weekend was United and Watford (laughs) with probably (laughs) definitely the biggest implication afterwards. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer finally being sacked. Yeah. From the Man United gig. I mean, we saw this coming.
1: I'm... I'm confused why it took so long. You know, and mm-hmm. I heard someone say, like, who are they gonna get? I already saw Zidane rejected the offer. Um there was, like you even said um Luis Enrique possibly going. He's already said like no. <laughs>
2: so it's a, it's <laughs> not a very enticing job right
1: now. No. no. I did hear, you know, potentially um Pochettino coming back from um from France. But it's just you know why did they beat the horse to the ground and then keep it there for a while and just wait? You know, obviously he's not the he. There's no chance he was ever going to win any titles with United based on who else is in the league and who else is managing other teams. And so very strange.
2: Not saying Antonio Conte is like a savior because I mean his stint at Tottenham is obviously very early, Mm -hmm. and like we don't know how he's going to perform there. But he was probably one of the most talked about managers on the market Mm -hmm. that was available and United could have snatched him up last month. Yeah. Before the Tonham gig even became available. I don't know if that was like tactical. I don't know if they were waiting for somebody else. Maybe they had someone else in the weeds and they were trying to wait to see if they were going to leave somewhere or go somewhere. But I mean that kind of blew up in their face because I think Antonio Conte would be a perfect manager for United. Yeah. Like I think he would have been able to just settle them down. Establish a defensive prowess that they haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. And I think we said before how United's game might suit um, like a counterattacking strategy. And Antonio Conte pulled that off last year with Inter like no one else has seen in a long time. Yeah. And he was able to bring the uh, Scudetto to Inter. So I think he would have been a great manager for United. Obviously, that ship has sailed. But yeah, I mean, I've seen other names like Ronald Koeman being floated around Mm. too. The United job, like you said, Pochettino and Enrique. Who knows at this point?
1: Yeah. No, I I obviously uh, Conte would have been ideal, which is why I'm shocked. You know, when Tottenham snatched him up, it's like that that was Manu's chance. Yeah. And they kind of squandered that one. Yeah. And I think, you know, that would have made a really big difference because. Conte is one of those people we've talked about where he kind of levels with uh, Tuchel, Klopp, and Guardiola as, you know, one of the top managers in the world. Where, you know, Ole, you know, his credentials really don't match up to any of them. So, I'm curious who they're going to get. I think it's going to be really tough because, you know, everyone's really taken right now. Yeah. and poor Carrick. You know, I feel like he's just been the guy who's kind of slugged through with Manu all these years when they've had all these fail- failures. And he's been on the team when they were super successful. So, you know, he's he's got a lot to carry um, until they figure out what they're going to do.
2: He's kind of like the constant. Mm-hmm. He is the constant at Manu. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought Ole might kind of be like that too because he obviously had the good times. He left just when the bad times were kicking in. Yeah. Like just when uh, Alex Ferguson was departing. Yeah, but I thought maybe you know having the prowess of knowing how to win and being around like a winning culture, he would have brought that to the side as well. But it's a different game. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. It doesn't mean to say that like if Sir Alex Ferguson came back, he wouldn't be successful because I think just his pedigree overall. I think he just he's a player manager, and we said before tactics are one thing, but at the end of the day it's the players that go in the field and like you can't control if, you know, Ronaldo hits one off the post or he puts it in far post. Mm-hmm. Like you can't control that. that's on the players. But I think to be able to control the player's mentality and like how to coach them and how to deal with them on a day-to-day basis. So Alex Ferguson was a mastermind at that. Pep, I think is both a mm-hmm. dual threat. Yeah. He's tacti- a tactician and he's a great player manager. Um, even Jose Mourinho at times. Yeah, he butted heads with a lot of players, but he also knew how to get the best out of players. Yeah. So I think Ole might have came in with it saying, like, oh, wow, we have, like, a really good team. I know how to win. I was coached under the best coach of all time. Lo and behold, he gets there, and he just can't manage the players. Yeah. And their personalities and how they play. And he tried different things. He's tried different formations. He's tried different players in different spots. And just to get into the game today, I think it was one of the more disorganized games I've seen United to play. Yeah. yeah. I mean very like, much there so. was just you know It was and,
1: just so strange. There's no yeah, tactics. Like wayward, you say all the time.
2: Wayward passing and like just yeah. no positioning. It was brutal. Yeah,
1: yeah. Very very, very bad. I mean, um McGuire, you know, sent off with a red card. And you know, Watford was just taking him to them and like this this was and I've heard other people say this too. This is worse I think, than the Liverpool and Man City game. I mean, Man City was 2-0, um, but they were, they still outplayed Man U handily. Liverpool, I mean, the scoreline speaks for itself. But those are two title-contending teams with the players that they have. This is Watford, you know, struggling in the EPL right now.
2: They've already fired
1: a manager this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just handed it to Man U. And that's one you know that you need... A really big overhaul. Overhaul, you know. You know, firing your manager. Yeah, I mean, I do think it was always time to go, but you know, I think they still got a lot of work to do. Otherwise, they're gonna have this revolving door of managers at Manu for forever. I think more than likely that's gonna be the issue because they should have done this sometime last year when they realized oh, they can't win us titles but my one friend at work keeps saying he's like i like man you he feels is no longer in the business of winning titles they're in the business of like oh let's get these deals done in the middle east so we can sell more like <laughs> coca-cola yeah. bottles with the manu logo on it's them it's a business it's a business but and They've just like tossed out, you know. If they really, really cared, like, why was Ole still here? Like, like it took a it took a thrashing by Wofford to do it. Like, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. probably last, you know, when they could have swiped up anyone. Like, I think it was last year when there was I don't even know how many managers available, like Allegri and whoever else, and they they just didn't get any of them because they were like romantic about Ole, I
2: guess. Well, I think it's because they found their guy. They will just thought not no not their guy for success, but their guy for just listening to what they say. Yeah, and Ole was a yes man. Yeah, he had no power. He had no authority. We've said it before. As a manager, you have to have control of your team. Mm-hmm. Like it's the whole again, like the whole Moneyball scenario that we brought up last time. Mm-hmm. If you have someone behind you pulling the strings and you can't control your team, then you're just lost. And I think with United's case, the brass uh, ahead of Ole probably said like. We're making a shit ton of money. Fans are back. We just signed Ronaldo. Jersey sales are through the roof. Just get out there and just just play. Just go ahead and play. And Ole probably wants to win. Yeah, that's what, Like we said, he's from a winning culture. All he knows is winning. But he was never given the reins to make the team he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Like we said before about the Sancho signing. That might not have been Solskjaer's call. Yeah, probably wasn't. He probably said, "Oh, I, we actually really, really need a defensive midfielder." Like, <laughs> yeah, obviously, like, this eighty mil could be spent elsewhere that we actually need to fill a position. Yeah, and they're like, "Yeah, but Sancho, man, like the fans want him." Yeah, God, does he even play? I know. <laughs> I mean, he played today or yesterday, and uh, yeah. didn't really do too much. Second half, he had a good, a good showing, but yeah. I mean, it's just I think he was like a yes man for the club. I think he. You know just uh you know he wouldn't put up a fight or put up a fuss if someone told him to do certain things and he was just there as the face of the club yeah and that's not the way to be successful and like that's got to be degrading as a manager too because again as a manager you want to win mm-hmm. that's why you become a manager you become passionate about the game he went from being a player that won to wanting to be a manager that wins and he just wasn't able to, to you know use like his full expertise in the game the way he wanted to right
1: yeah, that's totally true. I mean, hopefully whoever they bring in next is actually going to be able to do that. But, you know, I think it's no secret that there's ownership issues at Manchester United, um, just given all, like, the the protests from the fans. So, I obviously, I don't think there's going to be any ownership change um, in the foreseeable future just because of the amount of money they're making and just the value of the club. So, it's going to be a very interesting time for me to see what happens mm-hmm. because if it's tough, right? Like, like I said, at the end of the day, it's a business. You're making tons of money as, um, owners of Manchester United. And, you know, if come, if winning games is secondary, you have this really weird relationship where, um, you're not really winning games, but you're making enough money to, to still hold a really big value for the team. So it's like, what do you do? Yeah. And I feel like that, that had to have been the issue. Cause like it got to the point where it was just so overdue with all, like he had to get crushed three, like three times this year. And then it's like, Hey, no, now we gotta let you go. It's like, Oh, well, who do we get? It's just like, it's, yeah. it almost feels like it's like secondary what's going on on the pitch. It's so strange.
2: But what also frustrates me is that this didn't come out of nowhere because their last run of games, like even at the end of last year and at the beginning of this year, they weren't very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they, you know, it's not like they were killing it. And they, yeah, they've been top five, but like they were, there's such a disconnect between the top five, right? Mm-hmm. Like we said before, there's basically a three horse race this season. West Ham's put up a pretty good showing and they'd kind of been able to hang around a little bit tighter to the top three. But when you look at the actual top five, top six, although the points might be somewhat close because none of the top three or top four teams haven't played each other yet. Mm-hmm. Or if they have, it's been like one or two games. So between the top six, they're beating up on lower ranked teams. Yeah. When they actually face off against each other, you really see the disconnect between the top three. Yeah. And I may be will put West Ham in that mix, even though they lost this weekend, but they're still a quality side. You can't consider United to be a contending team and they haven't had that pedigree in maybe two seasons under mm-hmm. Ole, at least. Yeah. So, like I said, it's not like they were doing so well that he, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to win with Ole. We're going to do really, really well. They were underperforming since last season. Yeah. In almost all competitions. So, the fact that like it took, like Joe said, a thrashing of, you know, against Man City, Liverpool, and now Watford of all teams. This easily could have been done last season. Yeah. yeah. Get it done in the offseason. season. Give a manager a fresh season, a fresh chance to, you know, put a new face on this on the side, get some new players that actually make an impact. But I guess the Glazers just love what they love, and that's money. Yeah, and they just wanted to keep, uh, stay in the green. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's what's next for Man U. You got to feel for all the big Man U fans out there. Um, especially, you know, even in our, our lifetime. I mean, they've gone from the you know, one of the highest performing teams ever in European football to now, which is like the most popular best club that is performing the worst. Yeah. If someone new comes in, like you said, (laughs) I hear who is it? Michael Owen and uh, whoever else. always talk about it's like like McTominay and fred are like your anchor (laughs) there's no and that's we go back to the sancho issue like they needed someone so bad to just come in who's like a rock star center midfielder you know um and they just did not get him now they have they have all these guys who can attack but no you know you know i think on some level their d needs an overhaul too but Mm -hmm. i think one place to start it's like you know, and I guess we'll see like how where this board's mindset at. They got a decent manager. It's like I need a center defense midfielder like yesterday, yeah. and we have to get a good one. <laughs> and yeah. you know, we'll see if they actually follow through, and then or if they just go out and sign like. I don't know, like Danny Alves or some weird thing. Cause he wants to, well, he just actually went back to Barcelona yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or like if they go out and sign, like Google. bring
2: back the corpse of like have Mascherano, Yeah. Something. Or like, like <laughs> exactly. Get PK. Yeah. Just like the
1: weirdest signing ever. If they do that, then you're, we're probably going to start seeing, um, uh, like massive protests. It's almost like
2: how we talk with Arsenal and how they just need a person to control the game. And they, they just need like one or two players that can just sure up the midfield and like just, take control because mm-hmm. i don't think i have been a harry Maguire, you know hater let's just call it that for a while now like i don't think his big money move from lester was like all that warranted i don't think he was that great of a player mm-hmm. like i don't like he wasn't monumental in helping lester win the title i don't think you know mm-hmm. was he even there for the title no he wasn't. no he was even there for the title. No, so that what am i was, talking about uh, That was the days of uh, Morgan, uh, Morgan, and and, Morgan uh, Huth. The big, yeah, Huth. Huth. So he was even there. No, he wasn't there. So I don't, I don't see him as you know a quote unquote captain or like leader of the team. I think they need again. I mean, I can't pick a player out of a hat right now, but they need someone to take control. Like we said with Arsenal, they're one or two players away from being a pretty good side. Yeah, because they have a great. Uh, mix in depth of youth and veteran players and up and cupping mm-hmm. players I mean like the Emil what's his name Um, what's his name now Smith Rowe Emil Smith yeah. Rowe has been like an emerging player now for the last right. couple of weeks and he's getting a lot of notice and a lot of uh, notoriety and I think from United standpoint they just have no one to show leadership
1: no mm-hmm. it's very very individual you know like we said a lot of times it's very all over the place and they just they just need really good structure. And you know, I, I made the point where with the caliber of players they have, if they get someone to just come in and organize a team, I think they can be really dangerous because they they have so much potential. And I'm I'm really hoping they can they can turn it around because. You know, it's it, like you've said it a lot of times as well. You, the The Premier League is better when the best teams are performing well. You know, no one likes to see Manu crash and burn like this. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see.
2: We'll see. All right, good with Manu talk.
1: We're good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, good luck to Ole wherever he ends up next, and wish him all the
2: best in his future career. Yeah, maybe he'll head back to the team he was at before. What are they call Moda or something. I think they called Moda. Yeah. a Norwegian side. Okay. I think he like he started his career there and then went to United. And then he like returned there and then managed there. Came back to United again. So yeah. We'll see if they're uh if they're available or not. <laughs> Maybe we'll yeah. just hop back into that. Um before we get into the Chelsea and Leicester match, just wanna let our footy fans know that we have a Instagram account. You guys can follow us there at footy Fans Podcast. Um, there, you know, we'll we'll post new breaking news about, you know, managers being sacked, new hires, um, post results based on the season. Um, also, you'll be able to see when we drop our latest podcast and any news from us on the footy fans side. So that's footy fans podcast on Instagram. As always, we have the Twitter accounts at footy underscore fans, P-H-A-N-S. And for all those YouTube fans, we also have our audio version of the podcast posted up on YouTube. So you guys can search footy fans there as well for the, uh, the YouTube audio version. Um, yeah. Chelsea Lester. 3-0 Chelsea. Uh, they just kind of keep rolling. Yeah. They're getting, they're getting the results without Lukaku.
1: Um, and they're still sitting top of the table, you know, nine, two and one, you have, you know, a very, very impressive goal differential with plus 26. That's crazy. Very, very impressive. And, yeah, they're, they're still rolling. So um, they're, they're going to be right up there. And I think if they can get through Christmas with a good string of results, uh, it's going to be, like, extra competitive as we get into the new year. Um, I personally still think Man City are favorites. Um, but they got to get those results against Chelsea. I mean, Tuchel's had Guardiola's number. How many times? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, been there. You know he he absolutely squandered his uh, Champions League dreams mm-hmm. with uh, the year that he was the best chance that they they could yeah. have. Yeah. You know they were they were on a roll that Champions League just you know crushing the competition and going to play Chelsea, Chelsea, who it. they've handedly beat many times before Tuchel came, and now yeah, he's not getting the results against them.
2: When Tuchel arrived, I was um, skeptical, I guess. Just because I kind of I haven't been tracking his career, like obviously he was successful at Dortmund and PSG clearly, but when he came to Chelsea, I wasn't totally sure what he was going to bring to the side. And the first, you know, a few matches or a few weeks into his tenure at Chelsea, I noticed that he was taking more initiative on uh, defense, which I mean Chelsea kind of has always. Um, prided themselves on defense, I think, mm-hmm. with the likes of you know Cahill and John Terry, and mm-hmm. even back to the days of like Ashley Cole back there, mm-hmm. and Ricardo Carvalho, like the you know the guys that <laughs> I grew up starting to watch. They always had a really really solid defense, but Ivanovic. Ivanovic, yeah, <laughs> uh, I have my, I have my, uh, <laughs> reservations him. with him. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, but no, but he's obviously quality. He was really yeah. good, and he was part of you know a Champions League winning side and many Premiership winning sides but in more recent years and especially under the Lampard reign their defense was never really that like solidified mm. like they weren't scary as as defenders and that made has something to do with with, um, with Kepa also being the goalkeeper at yeah. the time i mean mendy has been just crazy since he's been there yeah like his clean sheet run and the amount that he's been able to rack up since he's been there at chelsea plus obviously the goal differential that Chelsea's showing now plus 26 has you know huge implications, or has huge sorry um, um. You know they re- they rely obviously on the defense to produce those numbers, but also just Mendy being a net is huge. Mm-hmm. But back to Tuchel, I think when he first arrived, you know Chelsea were winning games like one nil, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I've seen this before with Mourinho, and yeah, <laughs> it, it comes back to bite you in the ass sometimes, where you can't always win a game 1-0. You can't score a goal in the 25th minute and sit back and relax. Yeah. And the first few games with Tuchel, that's kind of what was happening. But I don't think that was based on the fact that that was Tuchel's strategy. I think it's just the players weren't playing that well. Mm -hmm. Like, the attacking players. So, like, I don't think they had such an attacking prowess where they can go out there and score three or four goals and win a game 4-0 or win a game 4-1 or something. Mm -hmm. But now we're starting to see that. Yeah. I mean... They're getting goals from outside sources. Like mm-hmm. Reese James has been putting a couple in this year. Ben Chilwell. Um, goals from Rudiger. Uh, their wingers, like Pulisic, finally pitched in with a goal of this game. It's his first in, I don't know how long. Yeah, it's been a while. For him. Uh, <laughs> first game the season against uh, Crystal Palace back in August. Yeah. His first Premier League goal. So that's huge. And these are all games with Werner and Lukaku. Yeah. And obviously you want to have at least one of those guys in your side at all times. <laughs> Uh, Lukaku
1: maybe one I was going <laughs> to say one or one the other
2: yeah <laughs> uh, you obviously want to have him there but they're showing that they can score goals without them and I'm not saying that Chelsea doesn't need those players because obviously having Lukaku on your side yeah, you 10 times out of 10 is better than not having him there yeah. mm-hmm. but under Tuchel I just thought that he was going to sacrifice maybe the attacking strategy of the game for defense to, kind of, to try and keep that clean sheet record but this season we're seeing it where they can do both. Yeah. And, I mean, those 30 goals for, seven of those came against Norwich. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an outlier. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Maybe there should be more around, like, the 25 range, like that Man City has. But to have a goal differential of 26, this early, or sorry, this point of the season, almost the halfway point of the season, 30 goals for, four against. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that might be, like, a historic... Um, differential at th- for this point of the season, almost at the christmas break,
1: yeah, yeah, and like you said, they're getting goals from everywhere, like Reese James, I think he's just really stepped up last uh, several weeks um and that's that's key right you need you need to have multiple people being able to convert for your team, otherwise you're way too heavily reliant on um you know this those handful of players, then you run into a situation where you're just a handful of injuries or one or two injuries away from falling apart and then dropping in the table. So that's why I have been really impressed with Chelsea. Um, I think if they can pick up s- some more key signings, uh, I think to just shore up some of their weaknesses, I think it'll it'll still really go a long way for them. I don't know if they're ever going to get to the caliber where they can control games like Man City does. I just don't really see them having... You know, one, just the tactical play um, and just the way Tuchel manages, I, he it's completely different than um, than Guardiola. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're going to be one of those teams that's, I would say, the caliber of Man City unless they pick up some really good signings and Tuchel just really takes off. I think them winning Champions League was just the fact that Tuchel just had Guardiola's number but I would still put Man City above them. I would say so too. Like I made a point here. Like I don't think Chelsea can go the whole season without Werner and Lukaku and end up winning. I think that'll show when they play a really, really good side. Um, So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I do agree. I think city are maybe just slight favorites. I know they're in second right now. Um, I would put just the way they've been playing last few games. Like we're seeing them, just t- like it's not even close. Yeah, what the games are playing. I know, you know, especially against Man U. But um, we'll see. You know, it's still really early to say. It really could go either way. Like at, uh, something major could happen at any point in the season. And uh, but obviously, it's obviously down to those three. Um, I would still put my money on City, though.
2: Well, Santos, you said that they have if they. In the transfer market, can get some more players to shore up some weaknesses. What do you think a weakness weaknesses with Chelsea? Well, I think in
1: particularly in the middle of the park, they have re- like they have really quality players there. I don't know if they have the type of like they don't really have like a De Bruyne in their side who's like. You know arguably one of the best players in the world i think all their players are just very very good they don't have any like world like you know there's the bar there's ronaldo and messi and then you got you know the likes of de bruyne van dyke um those types of players i don't see any midfielder type playing that's in that second tier that's on chelsea Um, And I think that's what they could really use, you know, kind of like David Silva when he was in his prime. That's just, you know, that's next level creative type thing that I think would go a long way and work off Lukaku. I think that would be very, very dangerous for them.
2: With with Chelsea, they they are different than City in that sense where I think City relies heavily on their their central midfielders, because like the way that Pep plays, like no one really has a set position, right? No. Even like if you're a center mid or playing like three across or something, like a left, like a left wing or left mid, a center mid and a right mid, they're shifting throughout the game. That's that's how they play with with Man City. But I think as Chelsea, they keep their triangle in the middle, mm-hmm. whether it be Jorginho or Kovacic and N'Golo Kante. They'll kind of keep that that core there. And they rely on their attacking midfielders to do all the playmaking. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they necessarily have to have a player like De Bruyne because mm-hmm. they have such creativity between like Havertz and Mason Mount and, you know, Pulisic when he's there. Mm-hmm. And obviously these guys don't have the pedigree that Man City does have. Like they're super young. Yeah. Like we have to forget that too. Like City's players are not like crazy young anymore. Right. Yeah. They're like fo- like Foden, Foden's young, mm-hmm. I guess. But I mean like... You know, players like Bernardo Silva is getting up there a little bit. Like mm-hmm. Sterling's getting up there a little bit. Yeah, Mara's just turned 30, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I think if you give, you know, players like the likes of, you know, like Mount or Pulisic, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hudson Odoi is like 21, 22. Right. Like, you give these guys three years in the league playing yeah. with a top manager. Like, if Ducal does stay there and he can solidify the team as, like, a top contender for a couple of seasons and get more – you know deep in competitions and obviously if they can win a couple of premier leagues if you see them in 3 or 4 years these guys might be like among the names of de bruyne yeah and um you know i don't know who else like i'm not saying like Javi and and yesterday yeah. that was like some crazy <laughs> shit that was that but, was something else you know what i'm saying like yeah. if they get, they can they can kind of get up to that level if they just have more time to to develop and to grow and we've obviously seen them make you know leaps and bounds like mount and hudson odoy were like not household name players two mm-hmm. seasons ago. And now they're playing for England in like World Cup or mm-hmm. in Euro- in European Cups and like World Cup qualifiers and stuff. So, yeah. Reese James too. Like I think they just are hitting their peaks and strides at different times. Mm-hmm. And everyone on City are like established players already. Where Chelsea's, Chelsea's like in a weird mix where they're growing, they're developing, and they're being successful all at the same time. Yeah, very unique situation. So it's a Mm -hmm. very weird, yeah, it's a weird situation to be in because even like when Lampard was there, they overachieved their first season with Lampard, big time. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's obviously a positive. Like I think the players developed quicker than what they thought, and they were more successful than what they thought they were going to be. But now they're just trying to be more cohesive and be consistent, Mm -hmm. which Chelsea were, that was their huge downfall last season. They had a run of like six games where they go five and one. And then they have another six games, so they go three and three. Yeah. And then they go two and four or something, and they were just dropping points left and right. So to be able to be this consistent with the players that they do have, and, yeah, I would obviously take another world-class player in the transfer market. I'm not saying I wouldn't, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't try and shake up the squad enough that it's going to screw up some cohesiveness that's going on yeah. right now. Like you still – I mean, they're doing all this without uh, Werner and Lukaku being there for over a month. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're obviously your go-to players. Like, Lukaku, he was brought in to be a goal scorer, and when he first arrived the first two months, that's all he was doing was scoring goals. He kind of got into a slide. He gets injured. So even when he comes back, it's still going to be a bit of a growing pain, I think. hmm And I'm not saying he's going to snap his fingers and just put in two against whoever he plays against right away. Yeah. But if they can start playing well again when he comes back, probably... I don't think he'll be there for Champions League against Juve this week, but maybe even next week against uh, United. That's Chelsea's next Premier League game. Um, Lukaku might be in that one, which would be kind of funny if he makes his like, return yeah, against <laughs> United and puts in a couple. Yeah, I can um, imagine. I think they'll just have to you know, work at it a little bit longer and just be a more full team and be a more consistent team like Man City has been. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think... I do think City will have a pretty decent edge if they get a good number 9 in January. If Pep wants one. I think he does. He they'll need one. They'll you... need one eventually. Do you actually think he wants one? Huh? Do I you do... think he re- well I shouldn't say that. Do you think he really wants one that bad? I think he would like the option to have one. I think I in some scenarios I don't know if he necessarily wants to play a false nine literally every single game. Um so You know, obviously, (laughs) because in the event, if he wants to play with a solid number nine striker, I guess he could play um, Jesus, but, you know, Jesus, I think, is better on the wing. So they getting a cane would be, I think he wouldn't mind it, I would say. Maybe. And that could be a situation where they do, like, I forget which game it was, but it looked like a number nine was missing on the field. Yeah. Just the chances that were dropping in the six-yard box and no one was Really, uh, you know, poaching. So,
2: with that being said, they just put up one of the more dominant performances <laughs> I've seen all season like,
1: very much so, the most dominant, right? I mean, but we're talking <laughs> so, about
2: do they need them? I, I think they do,
1: I think they do, especially if like t- if, when they play Liverpool and Chelsea again, they'll need them, especially in Champions League when they're going to play some yes. of these other teams, they're going to
2: need a number nine. You know, the deeper you go, the more depth you you can get is obviously huge. Yeah. It's like major, major key. But <sighs> like they, they do it where it's like, like I I personally think they should get a number nine, mm-hmm. but then they put up a three, no victory against Everton. And like I said, like it is the most, yeah, I mean, but I dominant think game they've, they've played all season.
1: So I think where they miss number nine is if they play a team that's really like, you know, setting up well, and it's like it's getting very difficult to break them down I think one of City's issues is they run they run out of ideas when they're doing like against yes. Everton when they're doing all that stuff and they break through and they score it's like great we can just keep doing that because now they have like they have to attack they have to break down if they get to like the 60th minute and it's still 0-0 and then, like the 70th minute they need need someone like Aguero would do where he would just like find it in the box somehow you know yeah um, that's and I think that's them getting that's going to be the key to winning the title, especially against Chelsea and Liverpool. Where it's like it's going to come down to the final game for all I could see it, and it's going to be like so tight. Yeah, and you need to look back. It's like a good thing we got those two extra points instead of tying. Yeah,
2: talking about playing against sides like Everton and being able to control the game and you know, pot one in, okay, we'll do it again, another one, okay, we'll do it again. When you say they go up against a side that knows how to play structurally and can play well, I think right away about the PSG game in Champions League. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Early in the season, during the group stage, second game that they played in the group, they lost 2-0 to Man City. Sorry, they lost 2-0 to PSG. That was Messi's first goal that he's going for PSG, that dirty curler that he had. That was probably the most frustrated I've seen City play since the Champions League final against Chelsea. Mm Mm-hmm. Where even in that game against Chelsea, they were the dominant force, and then I can honestly say they probably should have won that game that the way they played mm-hmm. because they had a lot of chances to win. The game against PSG, they they had chances here and there, but they never seemed to really threaten that much, and mm-hmm. PSG never seemed to be too worried about them threatening them. Yeah, mm-hmm. like PSG were saying, "Okay, hey, come on, we have world class defenders. Come yeah, on, yeah, at us. Yeah. They got Marquinhos, they got Sergio Ramos. I don't know if he was playing that game actually." But they had solid players in the back. They were just saying, "We're playing our we're playing our way. We're mm-hmm. gonna sit back, come at us. We're gonna defend the crap out of you." But we have the players to score. Yeah. Everton tried that today. It lasted until the 44th minute. They didn't have the players to score. No. Or to defend. Or to defend, and yeah, I would put Liverpool in that same boat. Yeah. Look how well structured Liverpool is. They have 11 goals against this season, which I mean, it's not. In comparison to City and Chelsea, it's not great, but it's third best in the league. But they have thirty-five goals for. Yeah. I mean, they clearly have the players that can defend with you know Van Dyke when when he's healthy, Fabinho when he's healthy, and they have world-class players that can get you on the counter attack and score. Yeah. But then they, on the flip side, they could also be the aggressor and they could play against Man City and have sixty-five percent possession and put City on the back foot. Yeah. So, I mean, it obviously, it obviously all depends like who you go up against and how the manager plans to strategize against you. But a team like City, if they had a number nine, it just adds a whole different dynamic to the fold. Yeah. Because playing this false nine style, it's all pass, 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 work a give and go, try and score. Yeah. Number nine, you have head balls, you have target man, you have layoff, you can do all this stuff, you can use strength and power as opposed to like speed and agility, which is what they mostly try and do to score. Like you look at Sterling and Bernardo Silva, mm-hmm. little small, quick, agile players. Mm-hmm. Even Ferran Torres or, yeah. or Gabriel Jesus, they're not like the more a powerful dominating player. Yeah. If they can get someone like that, like imagine they went like a Diego Costa or something. Yeah. Like I, mean, yeah. I know that just came out of nowhere, but a player like that mm-hmm. who can just beat the shit out of somebody if he wanted to like he can back into Van Dyke, he can you know back into a player like Rudiger Mm -hmm. and like win a huge head ball over a guy that's like 6 foot 2 yeah that just adds a different dynamic to the team and the way that City plays as well with like playing the wings and sending crosses in they're sending a cross into like Raheem Sterling
1: yeah and there was yeah. even a chance today where Foden, like, picked out Raheem Sterling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sterling, like, he was,
1: like, six yards away and it, like, yeah. threw over the net. It's even like, you know.
2: Foden had, like, cha- He had a cross, too, that came to him that he, like, yeah, contorted like his back. body and tried to, like, win it. If he was four inches taller. Yeah. Yeah. Like a like a six-foot-two person or something, or a six-foot-one striker. Yeah. That's really in the center of the forehead. That's in the back of the net.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like if, if
1: Guardiola was really still keen on ideally playing a number nine, where if that was like his go to, I think he would have still tried to keep Aguero. But he like last season he started shifting to this false nine strategy. And that's where Aguero started kinda of getting out of the team. And he started kinda of getting old and now uh he left. But um speaking of Aguero, we do got a <laughs> kinda give a shout out to him because he i guess he announced his retirement or yeah. he, i mm-hmm. mean you know everyone's still like hoping he gets back because he has some like heart complications um i heard heard that today and uh yeah just hope he makes a, a recovery or just things get sorted out so we can play again because kind of happened out of nowhere and it's kind of a scare for him being at 33 with heart complications so yeah it's crazy yeah hopefully um he gets back to playing for Barcelona
2: because he's, you know, mm-hmm. hardly, he's hardly played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if he doesn't play, just in general, just get healthy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Christian Eriksen. Like, if you can't play, you can't play, but just yeah. get healthy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just make sure you're okay. But, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously if they would have had, you know, a player like Aguero in their system, then we would all say, like, yeah, that's, that's probably ideal, but, For some reason, Guardiola just started shifting to this false nine. So I feel like if he didn't think that this would be the best system to play in in football, then he wouldn't be playing it. And I feel like if he really wanted to play a number nine and thought that was the best, he would have kept Aguero, and that's the system they would have played. But, you know. He didn't. And I feel like if he really wanted a number nine, he would have got a number nine. I, I don't feel like he's playing a false nine because it's his plan B and they're playing this well. I think That's it a might point. be true on some level. I think he, he would be fine with playing a, a false nine. I think he's maybe just patient to wait to get a number nine that he feels would actually add value. Like if he could pick up someone like where he probably would. Uh, Just because they do add a different dynamic. Uh, Maybe ideally he would like Kane, but I don't think he's going to go out and just get like a a number nine that's decent because they won't really mesh in well with the system. So he's probably waiting maybe till January to see if like the right one comes up so that if he wants, if he feels like he has to shift that dynamic, because eventually the other teams will figure out how to play against his false nine system at some point. So.
2: So are you saying that City is kind of like one-dimensional when they go forward?
1: I feel like if... I wouldn't say they're one-dimensional because they can play different ways, but I feel like on some level, if they've established, okay, we're playing a false nine today, I feel like on some level, they have a hard time shifting mid-game. Because I do... I know DeBron came out and said, it's like they spent a lot of time prepping for games, so they probably... You know, I don't. I, I don't speak for Pep, but they probably adjust their playing style to counter whoever they're playing. On like some, level. I guess on Manu, they didn't even try to. But against like <laughs> top teams, I think on some low, they'll look at how they play. It's like I think we should play this way. If it's not working, and that's where I come back to the number nine. If, if they decide it's like, hey, against PSG, we're gonna play a false nine. If it's not working, I feel like they have a heart. They they would have a hard time adjusting to play with like chaos play you know Mm -hmm. two up front or you know whatever it is Um, especially they don't have the option so yeah
2: I've always thought it's interesting to watch when let's just call like a top four side is playing against like a mid like a mid table side and they're down by one with like 10 minutes to go it's just so funny to watch because they're still trying to do like complex passing plays when like they're playing 11 guys behind the ball Yeah. Like, you can't break anybody down. Mm -hmm. If you want to see a team, like, snatch a game out of nowhere, watch, like, Southampton versus Newcastle or something. (laughs) And, like, you'll see two goals in the last 95th minute, probably from, like, both sides. Yeah. Like, you, like, I think it's so rare to actually see, like, a Man City or Liverpool or Chelsea, like, even get, like, a last minute goal sometimes because they just don't know how to win dirty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's kind of goes to Joe's point. Like, if they're getting broken down and they can't. Like, if they're getting, like, defended like crazy and they can't penetrate and they're trying to maybe change their strategy mid-game, it just doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And it's like they have to just, like, kind of forget everything that they know about tactics and just play dirty and just try and get a scrappy goal. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like, the good teams don't get that. And that's how we see some upsets sometimes. I know I've witnessed it a million times with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, come on, man. You're, you're playing, I don't know, Stoke. Yeah. <laughs> Just score! Like you're so much better than this team. Like just sending a ball, sending a cross from like half. It might drop to you. It might fall to you. Put it in. Yeah. They're still trying to like you know weave passes in and out between like four players. Yeah. Um.
1: Speaking of speaking of City with some non-tactical ticky-tacky goals, Rodri coming up with a banger.
2: If you can just, do that every time, then it'll really shut me up from yeah. saying how they're only one-dimensional.
1: But, yeah, just ball so drops used, to him, just rips one from, well, it must have been like 27 yards out.
2: 30, yeah, at least maybe.
1: Pickford, just no real chance, just top corner.
2: Pickford made it look nice, though.
1: He did full mm-hmm. dive and save, both hands out, and just curled away from him.
2: Like, if there's a if there's a still for that, you got to put it as your background on your, on your computer or something. Yeah like a screen grab from <laughs> that
1: you know I th- I thought it was really funny because in the first half both commentators are saying how yeah I, I heard understand. that I understand <laughs> they're saying this in a much better English accent than I'm saying right now but they're like yeah Rodri just outside the box he always tries to make the pass just hit it <laughs> literally <laughs> 10 <laughs> minutes later just yeah, rips one just rips one <laughs> they, they even gave it to themselves like yeah here's the, us saying that he can't just shoot like what um, do we know eh yeah <laughs> Um. Yeah. Awesome goal by him. Just buries another one for him. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, I still think they're favorites to win. You know, seventy-eight percent possession, eight hundred and fifty-three passes, total control of the game. Really fun to watch. Yeah.
2: I think Everton had like two fifty on passes, or something like that. Yeah, just not even close. Not, not, even, yeah. not even the same league.
1: Oh, and to even talk about like Jao Kinsella with the ball to Sterling on that half volley. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Goes to my point where when you are outside back can do that. Like maybe Alexander Arnold can pull that off, but I feel like João Cancelo can do that like ten times and I'll get it right like seven. So it just goes to show like you have players all over the field that can do things that like other players, best midfielders can't do. So mm-hmm. that's why I still think they're favorites because they can pull anything from anywhere at any time. Yeah. I think no, that good team yeah definitely <laughs> good team
2: Um, another good team Ripple just yep. keeps rolling uh,
1: this was, I this was a weird game for me because I don't think Arsenal played bad no, no they <laughs> I agree. you know they didn't yeah. I look yeah. at the score and it's like that yes but like the, especially the first half you know Arsenal did not by any means get like swept the floor with or whatever mm mm-hmm. You know, um, they really even when they went down, they were still like showing some intensity. It wasn't until like the third and the fourth goal went in that yeah. it was kind of done. But like even after Jota scored, like it, they were still very much playing with some sort of belief that they get something from the game. So yes, it was a bad, you know, ended up being pretty, you know, four nil score line. But you know, if I'm an Arsenal fan, I think I can take a lot of positives from the game.
2: Yeah, I mean we've talked at length about how Arsenal started the season off so poorly. and We thought they'd get relegated, but to make the climb that they've made, you got to give it to them. Mm-hmm. They've been grinding out games. They've been grinding out some wins. Uh, I think they beat Leicester. They beat Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they you know have got smoked by City and mm-hmm. and the uh, another team that got I lost? I think they lost to West Ham as well. But they're making the climb they're making the push to the top 4. Um and is yeah, like Joe said, it is good to see them put some fight into it because they easily could have just, you know, walked into Anfield and say, "Okay, we're playing Liverpool. We know we're not that good. Mm-hmm. Like, we know we can't compete with these guys." But to come out there and actually give it their all and actually have some quality chances and you know, just to show fight in the game, like yeah. That's kind of all we expect sometimes. And I I I mean, I hate to just keep bashing on United, but that's what we just don't see from United. We don't yeah. see fight from them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think out of United maybe maybe McTominay and like Luke Shaw are like the only two players that I really see fight from. Like I really see them be aggressive. I see them wanting to win tackles. I see them trying to like you know, show some emotion in the game. Everyone else just kinda of goes through the motions with them. Yeah. And I think Arsenal with players like I said, like Smith Rowe emerging as being as a new up and coming player and same with um with Saka. there they want to prove themselves and they have something to prove and I think they just love the game and I think mm-hmm. they just show it every time that they play. They stop on the pitch and they just want to give it their all and yeah, like I said, going into this game they probably knew that they weren't gonna come away with a with a win at least. Maybe they could squeak out a draw but um I mean, Aaron Ramsdale definitely showed up for this game, too. Oh, yeah. he's He's been crazy since he's been in Arsenal. Yeah. Like, just
1: he shows no fear when he comes out. He makes you say that, you know, you wonder how he makes it. I just think about the Madison free kick. <laughs> yeah. People, you know, where I guess saying, everyone's saying it's like that's the save of like the century. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> like, saying, it, and yeah. you look at it and you, you can't really argue because just everyone thought it was going in and he just makes his way across the net and he's literally full stretched horizontal, you know, across the net and makes that save. Um, and he had, you know, plenty of other saves uh, this game that were really good. So I'm just wondering, you know, how soon till he's uh, he takes Jordan Pickford's spot?
2: I think soon, to be honest. Yeah. Because, I mean, Pickford's not doing himself any favors. No, and he's not. <laughs> like, when it comes to qualifying, yeah. I mean, they always get paired up against some sides that aren't the greatest. Yeah. Like Some of the countries are trying to qualify that are... I don't know, you know, like the Faroe Islands, like, yeah, yeah. come on. Like they're not going to put any competition up. So I mean, like from the international standpoint, his record's really good, but at Everton, like, I mean, he's not uh, 19 goals against at Everton. I yeah. think he's hurt a couple of games this season too. So he, that's not all against him, mm-hmm. but Arsenal 17 goals against. It's two better than Everton. Yep. And, We've watched matches before that Arsenal's involved in, and even though the scoreline does say four nil or three one in a loss, maybe if not for Ramsdale, it could have been seven. Yeah, could have been absolutely. five, could have been six. Yeah, so he makes some big impact saves, and in, in the game against Liverpool this weekend, some of the goals were like were tap ins. Yeah, like you where can't do like anything. you literally mm-hmm. have no chance on. Yeah, like you could have put three Ramsdales in net, yeah. maybe four Pickfords, Pickfords, <laughs> and like still wouldn't have made the saves. <laughs> right. Uh so I think. I mean, like obviously score lines and uh final results don't dictate exactly how the game went like even the city game some of them are tapping goals too yeah Rodri's, obviously was an <laughs> not <laughs> a tapping piss missile
1: but still no chance of saving that yeah. well
2: maybe ramsdale saves that <laughs> maybe, I, maybe i don't know It'll be good to see he's, got, he's pretty athletic but yeah it, it doesn't dictate you know like how the goals actually went in it, it just says oh yeah. three goals against so, well, they must have got smashed like Pickford's a bum, but that's not always the case. Right. Same with this game too. Four nil. Oh wow, Ramsden was out a stinker. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. It
2: could have been eight. Yeah. It's Not her hand. Um. So yeah, that was kind of like the bright spot for me. For uh, for Arsenal. Um, when it comes to Liverpool's next matches, they got Porto in Champions League and Southampton on the weekend. Uh, Arsenal has Newcastle on Saturday. So some gettable games for them. Mm-hmm. I know Liverpool will probably prevail in the. Uh, the Champions League group. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how crucial this Porto match is. To be honest, um, let's check the group for for them. Yeah, I, th- I think they're. think they're okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're totally okay. They're four and zero. All right, so not I mean, no, crucial. Not, not crucial at all. Twelve. They volley, they 12 they have 1st locked up. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this is a good chance to rest some players, get some young kids some uh, some playing time. Um. Oh, who's that guy? The, the player that got hurt. Um, for Liverpool, broke his leg. Yeah, broke his leg. Uh, He's coming uh, back. Oh yeah. Um,
1: I must have been like a clean break or something. Crap, like. What's
2: his name? I yeah, forget. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> um, this, this but yeah, live, no, this is live podcasting.
1: It's girls. uh, yeah, it's good to see him back. Um, but yeah, with them shirt up, with poor, I'm actually curious who they're gonna put out.
2: Uh, Harvey Elliott. Yeah, Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott. He uh, yeah, that nasty break. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm I'm curious to who, who they're gonna now. put
1: out against Porto. Um, seeing as they have everything like pretty shirt up. Um, yeah. I, I always I always wonder what you want to do as a manager there. Um, you have, because especially because you got Southampton on Saturday. No disrespect to them, but it's not. You know, you're not playing a top top side. So, I'm curious whether he goes route of still playing his top players just to get Champions League minutes, um, just because uh, they really want to, you know, obviously prioritize uh, yeah. Champions League. I mean, to be honest, at this stage, if I'm a manager, um, I would say 95% of the time you're just putting out a second team. If you have first short up, I think rest is more important, I especially agree. for like your starting 11. Like Van Dyke doesn't need more Champions League minutes, he needs like rest. To be honest, well, yeah, I I don't mean champion, like I don't mean minutes in terms of just getting experience in minutes. I just mean kind of staying engaged in the competition. Mm-hmm. If That makes sense because I do think that plays a factor sometimes. Um, but you know, I'm not a manager. I'm not Klopp, so I'm sure he's gonna do what he thinks is best, which is gonna be the right decision.
2: Breaking news: <laughs> Santo is not Klopp. <laughs> uh, I don't have the glasses and the weird teeth. <laughs> and the <weird> teeth. <laughs> Well, actually, I don't have the. He doesn't have the glasses because he got laser eye surgery. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it looks weird to see him now with no glasses. I know he
1: needs the glasses. He just I wear them. Just get
2: just specs that aren't prescriptions. Just wear them. These glasses have no lenses in them. I just try and look smart. Mm. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, with, like, most people wear glasses and they don't look intimidating. He looks intimidating with glasses yes, on. He does. Like, I think his <laughs> eyes get bigger. Yeah, and, he's like, he's <laughs> and the then show he's showing the side He's like crooked smile. It's like jaws all crooked and shit. And he's like, yeah, he's a scary individual. He's really tall. He's like six four, I think. He's a you big, know, he's a big dude.
1: I saw the picture online of because him and Arteta were just yelling at each other during yeah. the game. Uh, I just saw, saw an image and it was the at the back of Arteta. So I showed Arteta's back with. Like the the fourth ref, you know, holding them apart with I think some uh supporting staff around there and then it showed Klopp towering over everyone with oh, this, this mean just yell going at Arteta. I'm oh, like, that's scary. Yeah, that was kinda of, that was a w- odd thing. Arteta just like encountered, yeah. Just losing it on Klopp and then Klopp losing it. That, that was yeah. funny.
2: But like a guy as intimidating, kinda of, like scary to us as Klopp is, he's like apparently the sweetest guy and like, yeah. the players love him. Yeah. Like no. he he makes it his mission to like give a player a hug. Like every player on that comes on and off the field like, mm-hmm. for a substitution and then at the end of the game he hugs every single player that comes off the pitch. Like he makes it his mission. I always watch like, you know, after the game like, the camera follows him around and stuff. He'll go to the supporters and like put his hands up and clap for the supporters and like get them all rallied up and stuff and he'll make it make it his mission to like find Mo Salah, find Mane, mm-hmm. find you know, Allison, give him a hug. So I think, again, he's a player who can just really manage the team yeah, and manage personalities. And obviously, he's done a kick-ass job since he's been there. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what you want to see, right? Like, you love those managers that love the club.
1: Yeah. It's awesome to see. And it's like, why,
2: why would this, like, random German guy that's had, like, minimal playing success, who's been coaching in the German league and played the coach for Dortmund, why would he give a shit about Liverpool? But, like, as soon as he's been there, he's embraced the entire club. And like yeah. what it means to be like a Liverpool player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Liverpool. It's, love like order. I can't
1: even remember pre Klopp. It's just like, it feels like it's like the perfect yeah. mm-hmm, club, <laughs> which on some level, um, you know, it'd be, it, it like, I've been thinking about this, like what hap- like who leaves first, like Guardiola or Klopp? Like I think for sure Guardiola. Yep. Um, you know, I could, I could see Klopp like being at Liverpool for like a long time, yeah, I like agree. a really long time. Um, I'm not sure if he has the same mindset as Pep. It's like, oh, I want to go like here and like win with this team. Like, I think he's just like, you know, really romantic about Liverpool. That's yeah. what I like, man. Mm-hmm. Like, just a a manager that's romantic about the club, who's really good, because that's what leads to like long term success, right? Big time. It's like that's how you get the next Sir Alex Ferguson. Because I'm I'm still waiting. <laughs> you know, obviously it's going to be forever because Sir Alex Ferguson was forever. So yeah. just seeing a manager that's at a club for a very long time, not just like putting in your five years and then yeah. See you, know, you later. I want to go win somewhere else. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's like obviously we love to see that, but to have a have a manager have that success is one thing, but to have people have ad- admiration for him. That's another thing too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like out of just the top four right now, like he said, like Guardiola probably gone maybe within a year. Like, you know, I think mm-hmm. there's talks of him trying to join maybe the Spanish national team yeah. next season. I don't know if that's going to be, if that's going to happen. Maybe, maybe Javi shits the bed at Barcelona too. He goes back to Barcelona, and tries to rebuild that team. Mm. Um, who knows? But I mean, as from the other top four, I mean David Moyes will probably be there for a while. <laughs> yeah. West Ham's going to keep
1: hold on to David Moyes yeah. as long as they like uh,
2: Klopp will probably yeah. be there for a while like we just said. Yeah. Tuchel I mean Tuchel's leash is as short as Abramovich wants it to be. Yeah. You know like That's he true. could he could be super successful this year coming off a Champions League win was obviously massive. Yeah. But if they stay Abramovich in 5th long, long enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Abramovich wants titles though and he wants yeah. Premier Leagues. I, I know like obviously he was psyched like when they won Champions League he went to the game and everything and he celebrated with the team afterwards but I think he he looks at, at Premier League success, success as like the big ticket because mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing to win yeah. right mm-hmm. and I think he he prides himself on winning Premier League titles over Champions League titles so if Tuchel can perform and keep that standard alive that Abramovich you know upholds I think he'll be here for a long time but he could finish third one year and he's gone. Yeah, like it's just it's that cutthroat sometimes, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we can you start can't a rant expect on this. you just you can't expect success every single year. Yeah, yeah. Like it's there's no uh, that's not a sustainable way to look at anything. Yeah, and from any from any sport franchise in the world. Yeah, and out of all like the major North American sports, out of obviously football and then in, in Europe, you have to have you have to be there with your club in the highs and the lows. Yeah. And a lot of the time you learn more from being unsuccessful than you do from being successful. Yeah. You learn from mistakes. You learn how to come back the next year, stronger, better, faster, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you just have success all the time and then you do hit that first stint of like a negative spell, sometimes you get stuck and you Mm -hmm. can't get out of it. It's kind of like what happened with United. They had all this long-term success with, with Sir Alex Ferguson for 20 plus years, 25 years. He leaves, great, congratulations, you had an amazing life, at <laughs> yeah. our thank you so much. He leaves, and then just ghost town, mm-hmm. yeah. nothing, because now you're facing adversity, and I think they're just going to have to find someone who to, you know. Yeah, to go through it, right? It's but- like it's like the phoenix from Harry Potter, like rise in the ashes, someone come out there and be better. That guy's gonna be—I don't know. Yeah. Talk to Brendan Rodgers, even leaving Leicester. I know, and some people are so mad.
1: It's like, what's the difference between Ole and Brendan Rodgers? I mean, it's a little bit of a step up, but like
2: more, more Premier League. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't. know I can't say success, but more Premier League experience. I mean, he'll help
1: you get in the top four, maybe. But like, (laughs) you need you need Carlo Ancelotti to come to Man U. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah, that's what you need right now. But. Yeah, going back to what you said, you know, because I I could go on a rant for this for a while. Because even even at the Tottenham game, um, you had the fans booing at half because they were down 1-0. I'm like, come on. Like, Conte just got here. (laughs) Literally just showed up. Like, literally just showed up. First home game. Yeah, and you're going to start booing your team. It's like, I really want... And this isn't to, like, be crude or whatever. It's just kind of something i'm observing like you have to have patience with your team i mean being if you're (laughs) you're you're paying to come watch your team play and you're booing the players that you have your names on the back of the jersey you're wearing so if you're really supporting your team you like actually have to support your team i think going in with expectations of always being successful is a recipe for you being disappointed Mm mm-hmm so you really just have to go through and support your team through the highs and lows because booing your team off at half for sure is not going to like fix anything, <laughs> yeah. especially when you have a manager who just got there. Um, yeah, like you, you got to support your manager, you know, you got to support him over the results. because um, that's going to give you success long term. So I really didn't like that. You know, I was pumped when he came back and won because, you know, everyone's pumped after, after that, they come back and win. Um, I just really want to see fans and ownership, you know, really start backing their teams, yeah. um for long term success. Because this whole thing about like new like, manager comes in, I want to win the title. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, new like what's comes in, what's like, Conte gonna do? <laughs>
2: he's like, you know? so he's come out and said publicly like that's not gonna happen. They the the commentator said that today in the in the match. Yeah, Conte made it public like. I'm not coming here and we're going to like turn shit around and win the league this year. Yeah. But I remember one of the commentators said, I think it might've been, I've might been like Owen Hargrave or something or mm-hmm. somebody, maybe an Alan Shearer uh, at the end of the match. So that they're, they're very confident that Tottenham will win a trophy this year, whether it be Carabao cup or this UEFA confederations. Mm-hmm. You, what, what is it? I don't, that?
1: I have no idea. Just something it's,
2: else. <laughs> UEFA, it's like a third party Europa league something i don't know okay, but, yeah. <laughs> but he's confident they'll win a trophy this year uh in one of those cups i don't know if that's gonna be true maybe this europa league thing i looked at the teams that are involved and like they're i don't know where the hell these teams are from yeah like there's teams from like slovenia and like yeah liechtenstein has got a team in there or something i don't know but maybe they can pull off a trophy there but it's all results based, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you would love it if, like, you know, the league was made of rainbows and butterflies, and like the, well, the, no, the manager just like, and the and the club can get along. But like, they're not friends. No, I know, but I it's mean, like it's this, literally a business. Like you're, it's your employer. Like if you're performing like shit, sorry, yeah. you're gone. No, but I guess it's like what they qualify
1: as poor performance. I think is really skewed. Like Nuno, for example. Like sure, if he wasn't there, he first, had a bad.
2: First, he had a bad run. I mean, like yeah, not on his own. Merit like he got yeah, yeah. shit on like he got, he got yeah and that's what that I job. mean like
1: like you just hired someone and you're gonna fire them after ten games of being in charge when you didn't get the results you wanted like yeah it's, it's like got, should, I, like it's like it's because I I'm, I'm I can say with a fair amount of confidence that if Conte lost like four games in a row at any point in the season there would be like talks of him being let go which is something that I really don't like seeing because he, he literally just brought him in and he basically has to collect everything that's been done at this club that he has to fix and then turn it around although like because what's going to happen when you farm you're going to find someone else that's going to give you like a magic wand like yeah it's <laughs> there's so many factors that go into winning games Yeah, and you know thinking that like a manager's how well a manager is going to do long term based on how well he does right when he shows up there's so many factors that happen be like oh he's a great coach we've won five in a row like like it might not only be because that's of five him. games yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like 38 it's five like games and it might not be because he's like a really good or really bad manager it, there's a lot of factors that go into it so you know just some long-term commitment obviously there's not a magic number it's case by case but i feel like it's way too it's it really leans on the way too early side Except in the case for menu. <laughs> that was, yeah. that was, that <laughs> that was, was more on the longer <laughs> side maybe. Yeah, I know.
2: Like, we we said that like teams and managers get a bad rep for like letting them go too soon. Ole overstayed. Yeah. Like yeah, a long time. the writing was in the weeds, whatever the saying is, for like a long time. Right. Yeah. Like he he should have been gone, you know, before November. Right. Like before the latest international break. Yeah. Like why? Like they just had a <sighs> national break They came back four one lost against i against Watford get it done before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, like give your, give your team some, some time, you know, like before the break started is when they lost against Man City. Yeah. And before that they, you know, they tied against Atlanta, like on a you know squeaker of a game, but like they should have let him go right after that Man City game. I told yeah. you that like, if they, prefer, they put out a bad performance against Man City, I could see him gone right before the international break. Perfect time. Make it an easy transition. Mm-hmm. Watford, yeah. Like, like, who would have thought that that was going to be the team that you know yeah, that breaks it. it for Ole? They could
1: literally lose the next their next three games. Even Crystal yeah. Palace, Even Crystal Palace, <laughs> baby, Crystal Palace.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Real Chelsea, Arsenal. Arsenal's going to hand it to Man U. I bet you for yeah. sure. I mean, I, would not be I think surprised. I I think the whole um, supporter issue I think might be a little harsher than the. Um, ownership one because yeah you got to let go of manager like i still think it's early but still like you got to do what you got to do but the supporter thing like you're there supporting your club (laughs) like booing booing a new manager Mm -hmm. (laughs) like right away like that that i i really don't understand because you like supporters have so much influence for how well your team can play if you're a club, especially, you know, I think of Leeds, when you know your supporters are, like, behind you 100%, I think it shows a lot. So I just want to see, I think, more uh, more backing from the supporters even when their team's not doing well.
2: Was the booing actually directed at Conte or was it towards the players?
1: Well, you know, maybe towards the players, maybe towards Conte, maybe both. But
2: still, like... Because, I mean, the from the player's standpoint, like, I, they don't have a right to be, to be booed. Like I don't mm-hmm. think anyone has a right to be booed unless like you're Ole, but if you're you know not performing that well, like that's the only way that the fans can really show their frustration. And the fans are the lifeblood of the of the club, right? That's why you're there as a player. Yeah, you're there I, for the fans. Like you're, if there was no fans in the stadium, there's there's no players on the field. Oh, I agree. But I mean, like, like that's like those are the ones who invest the money into the yeah. team, sponsors, and like you know boosters, mm-hmm. and just fill in the stadium. Yeah. So I mean that's the only way to show their frustration. And in Tottenham's case, like they did play that crap first half.
1: Oh yeah. Like they're
2: like Leeds definitely should have they deserved their goal to yeah. go up one nil at halftime.
1: Oh they did, hundred percent. I just I just don't think the players like you're losing at halftime at, at home against Leeds. I, I know we sucked. Like, yeah, I, I, um, okay, I get it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. I mean like, it's like an ad insult. To you don't you need, need no. the fans to tell you that we have to turn around. This, I like, game. if I'm playing, if I'm playing like pretty bad, I don't need uh, someone from the sidelines saying like, "Oh, you're playing really bad." You know, like, <laughs> Thanks, like guys. This, is, this is my profession. I I know how bad we're playing. You know, it's it, you know getting support from your fans. It makes you like you, you still know you played bad if you're not getting stick from the fans. Yeah, getting support from the fans, like, hey, we got to play for these fans because they're backing our team. You know, y- you you still get that feeling, I think, when your fans show support versus booing. You know, you're still going to come out and know you have to improve. I just don't think the booing is just weird. Like, anything. it just goes to show like a club like Tottenham wants a new manager to come in and, like, g- rock it off the runway and win, like, five games in a row and qualify for Champions League and get that short up. It's like, no. <laughs> it's like, you're Tottenham. You're Tottenham.
2: That's a good point. So you haven't won anything. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah like, just the ex- <laughs> the
1: expectations just add to the fire and it's just not helpful in any way whatsoever. Um, and I get it's tough, like... But, you know, on some level, go, going to Santa's point, like, there is no... There's no long term benefit to, especially even with Nuno. Like it was a bad appointment to start with, but like, what did success even look like with Nuno coming in? You know, it was so like I don't even think they they were in any worse of a spot than the one Jose left them in. So it's like, what like what was he supposed to do?
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, that's why with Nuno, he the bar wasn't high with him, but he's still under. Well, it wasn't even him. The players just underachieved, Mm -hmm. underperformed. Going into this game, they had nine goals for. Mostala has eleven this year on his own. Yeah, like there's no like they and I again I'll, I'll say it again like, that's not based on the manager.
1: No, mm-hmm. like Uh-oh. it's
2: just it's the this is why we say it's the hardest gig in the world because there's just like we said before there's so many factors that go on in the game where like you, one bounce goes the wrong way it goes off the post and doesn't doesn't kick in and these are just negative, neg- negatives against your, your performance and the manager's when one that leaves yeah it's like he had no control over that no and I personally think and this is just like adding insult to the Tottenham I think the players right now are playing well in spite of Harry Kane yeah I I sat down I watched majority of this game today and I had just an extra attention on Kane man <laughs> I know he just came off international break. He did score some goals for England. Yeah. And I was going to try and make a joke saying like he can only score when he's in a white shirt. But yeah, Spurs is the same kid basically as England. Mm-hmm. Um, but his, he, he can't play. Yeah. He can't play with this team. It's like he's, you know, Superman. Like Clark Kent one day and Superman the other day. When he's back at Spurs, he can't play. Yeah. And he was losing the ball on his feet. He was being indecisive. He was turning the ball over. There was a there was a chance like late in the game, I think it was like the seventy something minute. They're already up two one at this point. And um you know, like Leeds was putting pressure on, they're trying to counterattack. I think it was like a three on one and he carried the ball past half and he literally like didn't know what to do with the ball. Yeah. Like he could've taken it on his own because the player was take the defenders taken wide by Son or someone who else made a run. He could've dished it off to either two players. He kept the ball on his feet. He got the ball caught up in himself. (laughs) He ran over the ball and then turned it over. And, like, they leads came out the other way. On, like, a three-on-one. Yeah. He's just so indecisive. And I think we've all been there. Like, I've had times Mm -hmm. before where I'm like, I don't even know what a soccer ball is. Yeah. Like, I I have it on my feet, and it's like I'm trying to play soccer with a golf ball. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't work. (laughs) And I think he's going through this right now. His spell is lasting a lot longer than I thought it would. Yeah. Because it's basically been happening since game one of the season, yeah. And I literally think the players are like are rallying around him in spite of him. And I think you know, like a player like Hoiberg stepping up today, yeah, huge mm-hmm. goal,
1: very big goal for him. Uh,
2: Sergio Reggion making his first I think it was his first goal for <laughs> first Tottenham goal, ever. yeah, huge for like, him. I mean, yeah. it, he didn't really do much on it; just rebound and kind of to him nicely, but. Kane man like he was my pick for golden boot winner he's making me look like an idiot yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean I don't know what I'm I talking think about but still
1: <laughs> that would have probably been contingent on him going to city um, there's I said the, no
2: <laughs> <there>. <laughs> you, you, made, you made that exact point and I was like Nah, he's good. No. <laughs> and this is when Either Nuno way. was still there. Yeah, I'm like, no, Nuno will get the best. I right mean, now. I said
1: Tottenham was the team to watch with Nuno there, and he just that did not work out at yeah, so all. What the hell, do we know mean, what We're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even when after when this whole Kane situation came out, and then he decided to stay, it's like there's no way. I mean, I don't even know if who would want to pick it. Like, I don't think City's looking. It's like, oh, we need this guy now. It's like, if they're going to go after Tottenham player, they want as to go for a song rather than Kane at this point. Right.
2: They have four songs on their team, though. <laughs> yeah, like they have four songs on. Like they already have four songs on City.
1: That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean he is
2: like the one hole in City's lineup. Yeah, if there is a hole, like we said, is like a pure is a cane big when old he's good. body. Yeah. Can, like, imagine they get like a Lewandowski from Bayern. That's what. That's what I mean. That's exactly be sick.
1: They need someone. If they can get someone like that, who. Also, I mean, Aguero was like the per, like he was like a Lewandowski, but also which is weird because he's,
2: he's like not your typical stature no. of like a no. You know, like he, number was, nine. he was he they best need a number, uh,
1: number nine. They need is a Lewandowski, who can actually dribble and see a pass well, like at the same time. And there's very few of those besides like Aguero. Was and,
2: Lewandowski there when Pep was there? Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. So did he bring him there from Dortmund? I... Uh, uh, don't I can't call. remember.
1: Might tough. have that'd be tough to maybe yeah.
2: find that one. He might have. Um, Cause like what a, I mean what a signing. Yeah, that guy would be.
1: That was huge. You know, I still remember Lewandowski at Dortmund killing it. I was like, oh, he's gonna make his big move to Bayern. And you know, especially with those big moves, kind of just overshadowing the player. But <laughs> did not for Lewandowski.
2: I mean, yeah, he just brought it to another level. Yeah, he came there in 2014, so I'm pretty sure Pep was already there. Uh, yeah, point. yeah.
1: Pep did coach Lewandowski. Well, he did. I'm just wondering if... Uh, I don't know if he brought uh, him yeah, there. Until
2: 2016. Yeah. So he did bring him there. Yeah, so uh, Pep signed there in 2013. Lewandowski showed up 2014, so the year later, and then Pep left for Barcelona in 2016. Yeah. Or no, yeah, did he go to Barcelona in 2016, or was he already at Barca? Uh... Yeah, I'm not sure. We
1: have to go go to the go to the timeline there. Okay, Bayern 2013
2: to 2016. Oh, no one. And uh, so Barca first. Okay, there we go. Barca first, and then Bayern, and then Main yeah. City in 2016. Yeah. Like, what a coaching record. He went from the Barcelona B squad for one season, then he gets like the main gig, yeah. With like arguably the best team ever assembled. Yeah. And then he goes to just the best German team ever assembled, and then makes his mark with Man City and becomes one of the best English Premier League squads ever assembled just two seasons later. Yeah.
1: And and to credit, I mean, you know, obviously he had, he had a lot of work to do at Barcelona and Bayern, but with Man City... Did he? Well, Barcelona, maybe not as much. Yeah. Bayern, maybe a little bit. Um, Man City was, you know, very... It was really different, I think, because he was coming into a team that did not... I think probably the furthest from playing Barcelona style going, he comes to this team, you know, doesn't really do well at all his first season. And this no. is what I was pumped about. You know, I even saw it in uh, the all or nothing show with uh, city, you know, the, the chairman there talking how, yeah, it was difficult for, for Guardiola, but they believed in him and, you know, they kept him around knowing that he would turn the team around. And then he just like transforms the English game mm-hmm. completely playing like no English side has ever played before and, you know, still waiting for that Champions League title, which I think is only one of the... Probably one of the very few things I've actually cared about an England team uh, winning just because I think of everyone, he deserves it. So I hope that they he can pull out a Champions League win before his time at City's done.
2: Yeah, that's like the one thing they're missing, right? hmm <clears throat> And his move to Man City was... I'm not gonna say it was like a rebuilding stage because they have one before, with um. I know. <laughs> I should know too. Yeah, the the uh, epic win with uh,
1: QPR. Yeah, with, um, <laughs> the most epic uh, Premier League title. Um, Joe, come save mm-hmm. us! Sorry, mm-hmm. just read. Pellegrini? No, not. Pellegrini. Mancini was coaching. Mancini. Though. Oh, Mancini. <laughs>
2: <Sweet Yeah. goodness. laughs> so it wasn't. A re- I wasn't saying the Man City. Pep to Man City was not like a rebuilding stage of Man City. But they had to like recreate themselves, okay? yeah. Like Re-identify themselves, right? Because when Mancini left, and was it Pellegrini that was there?
1: Uh, Pellegrini, I'm pretty sure, came after Mancini. Okay, yeah. So yeah.
2: Mancini won, and then he left. Then Pellegrini came in.
1: Well, I don't think Mancini left. I think they let him go because uh, he, went he to be was coach the national side, he, um, the Italian national team. I don't think it was that early. I think he was just butting heads with a lot of players. Um, I can I, see that too. I, he, I guess it was like a nightmare. for him. He was just not like you didn't get along with a lot of people there.
2: It's it's funny to say that because I remember seeing somewhere that like like he Balotelli, Mancini was the reason Balotelli came to Man City. Yeah, I mean, Mancini Mancini is probably the only person that can manage Balotelli. Well, Balotelli <laughs> looked up to him as like a father figure. Yeah, like he's there for a long time because Mancini was also the guy that gave him his opportunity at Inter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I love volatility. Like I know he had like such a bad rep Yeah. and or bad rap, I should say. And people were, were shitting on him and like saying all these things against him. And I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I don't know Like he was there, like, you know, eight seasons ago, whatever it was, he was just like a breath of fresh air for the team. And like, there was not many Italian players that were like high profile at the time either. Mm-hmm. Cause even like the, the, the Italian squad is like through a huge rebuilding stage. We yeah. said in mm-hmm. the beginning of the podcast, we missed an entire World Cup. We got knocked out by freaking New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And whoever else <laughs> that was in that tournament, I that's a forgetful one. I didn't <laughs> want to look back at it. That was bad. So like we were kind of like in a dark age and then out emerges this like superstar player that we haven't seen in a long time. Yep. And he had like, you know, that crazy game against Germany in the Euro mm-hmm. Cup. Made it all the way to the final against Spain. Don't want to talk about that one either. No. Nope. But when he went to city like i'm a chelsea fan through and through i bought a Balotelli man city jersey and it's the <laughs> only like rival jersey i yeah. have like i don't have any milan jerseys i don't have any inter jerseys i have juve i have chelsea and i got a man city man city Balotelli. yeah it's just mm-hmm. out there on its own and i i think yeah mancini like what said like was a father figure to him and he even to this day i think they still like talk um mm-hmm. pretty free uh, pretty um frequently It'd be great if Balotelli would get like a call up to the national side. Yeah, like right now they kind of may need him. Yeah, uh, they do. But he's just kind of like drifted off into into like nothing right now, eh? I Bolo? think he
1: plays in Hungary right now. I'm not is sure. He? I think so.
2: I know he went back to uh, to Brescia. He started. He made his career start at Brescia. Um, that's like his hometown. Or maybe it is. Yeah, Brescia. like he went. He was at Nice in France. Yeah. Um, for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh. Sorry, Palermo is where he started, but I know he's yeah, at this
1: board. That is probably a it's probably
2: one. Turkish. Yeah, it Turkey. Turkey, they Turkey, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Turkey. So he's playing for a Turkish side now. I mean, is he playing? I don't know. I haven't kept tabs on him. He's 31 years old now, which is kind of crazy. Well, it's our age, yeah, basically. It's my
1: age, But yeah, 10, 10 appearances, five goals
2: for them. There we go, yeah. So yeah, he's he's he just been, been hopping up. around. Um, had a little sit at Nice. Thirty-three uh, goals and sixty-one appearances is not bad in the French league. Like when you're not playing for mm-hmm. you know the like top side, not on PSG. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. He still scored. Yeah, like you look at his track record right now. He's got he averages almost a goal every other game mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah, really. Um,
1: yeah, we'll see if he gets a call to the to to the Italy team because you know, Immobile will continue to <laughs>
2: frustrate me <laughs> to
1: well he'll, he'll perform really well in the syria and then he gets the national team and it's just like that's where know. the four ties come from it's like you just you needed a number nine to to get you out of a draw and it's just like not there
2: okay guys fine i'll I'll do it i'll go play okay yeah. I'll go, go play, play finally the, Italian national. Thank ball- the guy the guy we need <laughs> i've been waiting for this opportunity for so long
1: andrew Oreo. no <laughs>
2: i mean he hasn't ball hasn't played for the national side in three years. And like I said, right now would be a time more than ever to take them. Mm-hmm. But that's where the politics come into play, right? Like I remember I remember like years ago, maybe like six years ago, when we were still trying to qualify for tournaments, like through playoff stages, kind of like over the same boat we're in now, mm-hmm. Jovinko was lighting yeah. it up for TFC. And, he was, and, the, and he was just, you know, he was killing it. He was like MVP. I know they have that like... They called the MVP player of the year mm-hmm. in MLS. He was scoring like 30 goals playing unreal, but I think it was Mancini at the time still.
1: Oh, it was Conte. Oh, was it, Conte? Yeah, it was Conte. Yeah. Conte. So Conte, so, yeah. he was
2: oh, like, no, like that league is like too, too low for me. Like yeah. that league is not competitive enough. He's out there having fun, like on vacation basically is what he said. And he's like, I'm not taking a player who's not, playing in the best leagues possible mm-hmm. when he was the most informed striker informed Italian player basically mm-hmm. that we had and he didn't get a call up yeah
1: and then we didn't qualify for the World Cup
2: and we didn't <laughs> qualify for the World Cup
1: it's like obviously not <laughs> ideal yeah that that choice did not work out
2: <laughs> and just like in the defense of MLS and everything obviously yeah it's not the Premier League it's not Serie I I wouldn't even put it in like the league of you know the, the Portuguese league like, yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't even stack it up that high but I remember there was another um, quote that Pirlo made, and Pirlo said, like, he kind of thought the same thing. He was going to come here. He played for New York City FC. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to come here, do my farewell tour, like, play a season or two. But when he showed up, he's like, These guys are legit. Mm-hmm. Like, he was practicing like five times a week, whatever it was, two a days, working hard. I mean, he probably had, mm-hmm. he probably didn't do two a days all the time because yeah. he's Pirlo. But he was saying like how hard it was, how competitive it was. the The players in competition were like actually really, like really surprising to him. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of hyped the MLS up a little bit. And we see now like there's so many players that play in CONCACAF, like Mexico, like um, mm-hmm. um, like Ramirez, the guy that f- scored for Wolves this weekend. He was just playing in the game against Canada, like midweek. Mm-hmm. Comes back and scores against you know, against West Ham and gives them the one 0 victory. So yeah. like. The competition's there. Yeah. Uh, MLS is here. I mean, like, we have players from El Salvador, Mexico, Canada, U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of nice to see that a lot of the Canadian players and U.S. players are now, like, getting more European exposure. Yeah. And it's yeah. not just based in, like, you know, domestically. Yeah. But, um, Yeah. it's a a competitive league now and it's nice nice to see it finally gain some respect yeah yeah
1: it's really good and hopefully you know in time to come that it actually gives a good opportunity for everyone here in North America to actually make it pro more so because now you just got to like go to Europe and hope for the best so it's good to see it grow more and more
2: have you guys gone to an MLS game before
1: no no it's on the uh, on the list to uh, I've only to get there so um, yeah We'll have to soon enough.
2: I remember it was like it's had to be over ten years ago, maybe 2007, maybe two thousand and eight. I went to my first MLS game, it was Columbus Crew mm. versus LA Galaxy. Oh, yeah. I went to Columbus, Ohio to watch the game. And it was when it's when Beckham was playing for LA Galaxy. Yeah. So like I was super excited to see it. And for, like of course like he set out that game. Like he was there. Yeah. I think like, I saw him like mm-hmm. sitting on the bench. I was like, oh my god, there's Beckham. But when I watched the game, mind you, this is two thousand seven, MLS. God, it was brutal. <laughs> like I was watching these guys, and I was like, "This is professional soccer." Like that, like, because I'm yeah. so accustomed, right, to watching Chelsea every mm-hmm. Saturday. Yeah, watching Arsenal with like on replay. That's what I was accustomed to watching. Dope yeah. you know, for Juve. I'm like, this is this is professional soccer. I'm like, what the heck is this? Like yeah. first touches that are going five feet away. Like you know, a guy just lets the ball roll under his foot, and goes out of bounds. I'm like, oh my god, this is terrible. Yeah. Fast forward, I've been to been lucky enough to go to the two um, uh, MLS finals that TFC has been involved in. Toronto FC. First one not so successful against uh, the Seattle Sounders. Next year, went to the rematch, basically of the MLS yeah. Cup final. Huge, uh, huge win, two nil. Um it was fun, I mean it yeah. was freezing cold, yeah mm-hmm. first I remember the first uh the first final was like minus oh God, it was like minus twenty it was it yeah. was really, really bad, it was yeah. freezing out there, because um, they played in December, yeah, and then the second game that they actually uh they won, I think it was like minus ten, yeah, which is still pretty cold, it's but a so little cold. more bearable, yeah. yeah, especially when you have a couple of drinks in you it was it was nice <laughs> but um no, it was cool, it was fun to to finally witness like the growth of the game. basically, yeah. Like the 10 year difference from 2007 to 2017 when they won that 10 year growth between like for the league. Huge. Yeah. And yeah, it's really, crazy. like I said, it's really starting to show now like how, how competitive and how good the league can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, just look ahead to next week. Actually, we have a lot of champions League matches this week mm-hmm. um, for top, top English sides. Um, United playing as Real Tuesday. And they have a huge one against Chelsea on Sunday. Yeah, gonna be a tough week for them. I yeah. mean, I can look at lost, loss for those two games it's to be honest. World, yeah. Um, for Chelsea, they have Juve on Tuesday. Uh, rematch, try and get redemption from from losing one nil earlier in the competition. Mm-hmm. And then of course, they have Sunday against uh, United. Um, Liverpool, Porto, Wednesday, Southampton on Saturday two gettable games, like we said, yep. they might rest some players on, on Wednesday, we think?
1: I think so. Yeah. I probably. could see a, a pure second team going out yeah. against Porto. It, it was Santos,
2: Santos' argument before. I could see him keeping... I could see Klopp keeping some players in the squad just to have consistency going if there's mm-hmm. guys that are playing well. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't. I would see Sala, Mane, and like Firmino yeah. all on the bench. Like, I'm sure one of those three guys will probably play. Yeah. But I know... Like, Milner's been in and out of the side a little bit, so he'll probably get a crack at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naby is coming off injury. I think he's healthy now, so maybe he'll get yeah. some minutes that game. So there'll still be quality, like, starting 11 players that we might yeah. see in the side, just to try and get them back in the mix a little bit. And then, for a City standpoint, they got that huge game against PSG, another redemption tour, uh, coming off a loss in match week two of Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see where they're sitting at in their... Yeah, they're, table. S-
1: they're sitting uh, top of their group right now. Are they as well? Yeah. Yeah, they got, uh, they still got, you know, it's nine and eight. Nine points for Man City, eight points for PSG. So, you know, still some work to do, I think, if they want to finish first. Um, but I think be, it's okay. just going to be a two-horse race because Club Brugge and RB Leipzig are just out of it I think at this point yeah for sure
2: I mean they're still going to be competitive that's not in Man City's nature to not try and go for the win mm-hmm. uh, I guess a side like PSG obviously they have to stack up pretty well mm-hmm. so yeah I'm sure they'll they'll go out there with the with the quality side still try and keep momentum going Um, and they have West Ham on Sunday so I mean it, it'd probably be good to See a positive result this week, hopefully, and then just keep that momentum for the West Ham game. Yeah, if they were playing a side like Newcastle, then I could see them maybe resting guys here mm-hmm. and then just like play their starting eleven again on on Sat uh, on Sunday. But because it's such a big game against uh, West Ham, yeah. I could see them, uh, you know, playing their top players on both sides or uh, both games there. Yeah. Um, and then Spurs. Spurs have Burnley on Sunday.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully Conte can get another win.
2: Uh get the good run to continue with Tottenham. Yeah.
1: It's i rooting for him there.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I wanted to see I want to see him do well. I like him as a coach. He's yeah. uh he's very passionate. I see on the sideline he was like running down and yeah. up and down the sidelines today on the bench when they scored. Uh you yeah, I love seeing that passion in the game. Oh yeah.
1: hmm Hopefully Newcastle can get a relegation, that'd be good.
2: But they are gonna get a relegation. Their
1: last no wins and five points out. I
2: don't care. <laughs> I don't they're care. gonna be the
1: most expensive team, and they're gonna be in
2: league or I championship. I said. Yeah. <laughs> I said I only have Chelsea jerseys, only have UVA jerseys. One Balotelli. I will buy Newcastle jersey if they get out of relegation because I All put right. my money on it like a oh, weeks ago when new manager came in, mm-hmm. when Eddie Howell got. On the I said that Newcastle will come out of relegation come the end
0: of
1: the season. That'd
2: be a knockout, but I'll buy. No, I'll buy Newcastle. Okay. Anyone just buy like, a like, guy? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: You heard it here on Footy Fans. Andrew will buy a Newcastle. Yeah, I'm doing it.
2: <laughs> Seal the fate of my. Yes. Um. We good, boys? We're good. Good. All right. I want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight. Uh, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Footy Underscore Fans P H A N S. Again, you can find us on Instagram, search Footy Fans Podcast, and you can find us on YouTube also at Footy Fans Podcast. Um, that's a wrap. We will catch up next week after all of the week's action. Take care, everyone. Bye, everybody. Ciao.